Hello and welcome to the Ahead of the Game podcast. Hi, welcome to today's show. Uh, lots to talk about once again. I've got Head of Sport Stuart Weir here, as well as our Chief Football Writer Matthew Lindsay. Um, we've had a couple of quite important bits of news coming through today. We'll start off with uh, the news that Scott Brown has retired from international football. So, had 50 caps for Scotland, has been playing for the country for over 10 years, quite a good servant, but um, do you think it's the right call for him to give it up at this point in his career, 31 years old, injury problems as well? I, I think it probably probably is the right decision for him to make. I think he's, uh, he's, he's not been himself for the last two or three seasons, I think. The amount of uh, football he's played for both Celtic and Scotland has taken a toll on him. He finally got the break that he needed this summer and, and I'm sure that's made him think, look, I can't carry on, I can't carry on uh, playing in all these domestic fixtures, European fixtures for Celtic and international fixtures as well. And um, I, I have to admit, I uh, I thought he was superb against Hapoel Bersheva um, in midweek and uh, I thought... That, that Scott Brown will be a great asset to the Scotland team in the World Cup qualifying campaign but that's now not going to happen and I think it's probably the, the, the best decision for him if he's going to prolong his career. And in that position, a kind of central midfield Scotland have quite good options here. Do you think Do you think he'll be missed, Gordon Strachan will miss something in the qualifying campaign or, or will he be able to make do without? Uh, Gordon Strachan will say that Scott Brown uh, will be missed but... Uh, the reality is that uh, it means that Gordon Strachan will be able to play someone else without actually dropping Scott Brown. Um, and the, uh, it also means that Celtic uh, will probably benefit that um, he can concentrate on his Celtic career now rather than uh, concentrating on uh, you know, playing with Scotland as well. So I'd imagine that uh, we will probably read tomorrow that uh, Brendan Rodgers is celebrating this. Um, at 31, yeah, uh, you know, I think he's probably right after coming through a couple of uh, injury scares and the likes. Um, but, you know, uh, Matthew saying, you know, he had a good summer off and he rested up well. Actually, if you're an international player for Scotland just now, you get every summer off because <laughs> we don't actually qualify for anything. So he should be he should be super fit and uh, and well. Um, uh, you know, he along with others get a rest every other summer whilst others are playing football. Um, ironically, he played his best game for Celtic in some considerable time um, against uh, Beersheba in midweek, and. Uh, if you were putting one name down on your, your, your team sheet from early season performances, it would have been Scott Brown. Um, you know, the, the, the kind of position, though, from last season was that there were already people writing him off and saying that he'd gone too long and he really should make a change. So, will he be missed? I think Gordon Strachan will say he'll be missed. The reality is that um, it will give other players a chance to come through. And um, it's the first time we've had a chance to talk about Wednesday night. Great win, 5-2 in the Champions League playoff. Matthew, you were there. Um, how, how was the atmosphere inside? How, how impressed were you? It was an incredible game. I mean, there's, there's been a lot of incredible European nights at, uh, at Parkhead over the years, and the game against Beersheba was right up there. I mean, the, the, the atmosphere before kick-off was... Uh, was, was amazing. I've never seen a, a, an opposition team look so scared before kick-off at the, at the reception Celtic got and both the Hapoel manager and their captain spoke afterwards about how they 
they were intimidated by that. They they, they failed to to deal with the atmosphere, um, and and it was a, a fantastic match. The thing that stuck out for me was um, that, that there were shades of the Ronnie Dyla Celtic about the performance in that um, they played some nice football, went into a commanding lead, and then collapsed. Um, and uh, you know they were they were nearly home and hosed at, th- at three 0 the, the way that they were playing, and then you know conceded two goals in this crazy uh, three minute spell in the second half. The difference between uh, this Celtic team and Ronnie Dyla's Celtic team is how they came back from that. Now Ronnie Dyla's Celtic team wouldn't have come back from that, but they regrouped, they kept their composure, um, and they, they scored two goals and restored their three goal advantage. Probably should have scored more. Um, and I think uh, it, it, it's not done and dusted yet. There's, uh, they've still got to go to Israel and negotiate what will be a, a really difficult tie. But I think uh, I, th- I think they'll go through. I think they'll. Uh, I think defensively, Hapoel um, did not convince, and I think uh, Celtic will go there and score an away goal and go through. Sure, this this game, as as Matthew touched on there, is. At a ground where the Hapoel have an extremely good home record, but a three-goal advantage, surely they're in too good a position to to slip up. Um, this is Celtic we're talking about, <laughs> you know, uh, and and knowing a great many Celtic fans as I do, um, they wouldn't put put it past Celtic to actually concede a few goals. To be honest, I think that Celtic will score over there. I think that Celtic will get too much going for them, especially in pace and especially uh, in the shape of Lee Griffiths, someone who can pop up with a a goal. Um, Celtic on Wednesday night, you could say it was almost typical Celtic. Um, I mean, as as a club, as an entity, Celtic are into uh, making money from merchandising and the likes. Um, I'm surprised they actually haven't gone to uh, Florida and opened up their own roller coaster park, um, you know, based on Celtic performances in Europe, because this had peaks and troughs like probably no other. Uh, with 3 nothing, Celtic are absolutely cruising, and then they, they lose two goals, uh, and it's a pits of despair. As Matthew rightly says, I, I, I think Celtic would have been lucky to hang on under Ronnie Dyla, but... Um, Brendan Rodgers was praised for you know managing to, to rally the troops. I think when you're taking off players and throwing on strikers to make sure you score a couple of goals, that works in itself. Uh, and of course, going back to Wednesday night, we had um, what a way for uh, Scott Brown to to bow out of um, playing for Scotland with that fantastic one two he played with himself <laughs> with a with a fresh air shot with his left foot and then battering it in with his right foot. But again, you know. I think Celtic over there, it could be it could be the most intimidating place on God's earth. I still think Celtic will score. I still think it will go through. I still think we've got three fantastic games, both at Celtic Park and abroad, to look forward to in the Champions League. And as for this weekend, they've they've got a league game against St Johnston. Um, do you expect Matthew that? Rodgers will be making a lot of changes for this game in order to keep his first team fresh or is he going to try and be careful with that? I think it's a sold out McDermott Park for this game as well. well I think he's got the, the strength and depth to change it. Um, he rested uh, several of his players uh, the weekend before the first leg of the, the playoff. He sent a, a shadow team over to Ireland to play Inter Milan at Limerick and uh, it didn't do him any harm. 
Um, but this is a competitive fixture against the St Johnson team who've started this season. I mean, they're, abs- they're an absolute phenomenon, St Johnson. They just keep uh, they just keep on performing. They keep on uh, punching above their weight. So um, I think there'll be a couple of changes, but I think he'll still feel a pretty strong team in Perth. Um, I, I'm interested. Uh, Alice McConnell in the Evening Times alluded to some things that Brendan Rodgers has said. Um, especially with how Celtic play and how they play from the back, and I and I do wonder if Doris De Vries will get an opportunity against St Johnson because it's obvious that Brendan Rodgers wants Celtic to play in a particular way, and they want a goalkeeper who is is like an, a you know another outfield player. Um, whether he has that with uh, Craig Gordon, uh, I'm not 100% certain. Fantastic shot stopper. The, the, the first goal that Beersheva scored the other night there, I think he looked slightly suspect. That might be the excuse that Brendan Rodgers is looking for. Um, and if he brings in De Vries for the St Johnson game, is he then looking to play him uh, next midweek as well? Because, again... The tactics that Celtic will have to employ over there is more about keeping possession, and that could mean a goalkeeper who's more comfortable with the ball on the deck, feeding the ball out to the defenders and taking the ball forward, than it is somebody who's good at punting the ball maybe 40, 50, 60 yards up the pitch. Yeah. Um, we're going to have to move on now to talk about the other kind of big news of this morning, which is that Julian Lescott has. Uh, turned down his move to Rangers. It seemed like it was on the verge of being completed, really, this move. But um, for family reasons, apparently he won't be he won't be coming up. Um, what do you think of this in terms of Rangers' hopes of bringing in a new defender? Where you did you think he was the right fit for Mark Warburton, or have they perhaps dodged a bit of a bullet here? Well, I don't know, but I'd say that. I mean, he's he's vastly experienced, played in the Premier League in England for a long time as played for England on, on many occasions. Um, he's still just 34, which uh, is nothing for a centre-half. I think he would have been a good signing for him. I think uh, he would have come up here and been very comfortable uh, playing in the, the, the Scottish Premiership. Um, for whatever reason, well, for family reasons, he's uh, he's decided not to move. But um, I, don't, I don't think it will affect Rangers that much because I've had Philip Senderos in mm-hmm. on uh, trial all week. Uh, Mark Warburton raved about him yesterday when we spoke to him. Um, he was very, very impressed with his fitness levels, his ability, and also, you know, his the ease with which he, he fitted into the squad. So I think they'll be disappointed not to get Julian Lescott, but they'll they'll, they'll just move on and uh, we'll, we'll wait to see what happens with Senderos. But I think Senderos is still just thirty one. It seems like he's been around forever, but. Yeah. Uh, um, I think if uh, if they could get a deal done with with him, it would be a, a not bad uh, replacement. And the other um, big transfer target they've been talking about is Joe Gardner from Preston. Do you think uh, we'll be seeing him in a Rangers shirt quite soon? Yeah, I think that's a deal we want to conclude sooner rather than later. Um, and again, we've been telling that story um, all week um, through our, our, our various titles. Just to go back and touch on. The, the Senderos and Julian Lescott. Uh, I was fortunate enough to do quite a bit of uh, work with Julian a couple of years back. And one thing that you, you pick up almost immediately is 
um, how close he is to his family, going back to when, you know, he would go on holiday with his mum and his mum spent, you know, 20 quid on all these different football tops for him, <laughs> uh, replica football tops when they were out in Spain, and an, an entire wardrobe of football tops, and also the, the, the time he spent with his own family, taking them on holiday and the like, so... so I can see that he he might not want to move up here um, if it was going to cause any sort of grief or distress to either him uh, or his family. I think Mark Warburton has been quite clever, uh, almost in spinning two plates at once, whilst um, praising Julian Lescott um, and what he he might do. Also doing the same with uh, Philip Centros uh, and, and the fact that he was always going to, he was always going to sign one. And not to, I, I felt just just down to the, the the finances and the fact mm-hmm. that the other players that are at, actually at Ibrox just now, it was always going to be one or the other. Um, and I think Mark Warburton will be would have been pleased with either of these two uh, additions to his squad. Going back to, um, I think it was uh, yes, uh, yesterday Thursday. One thing was Derek Johnson um, and his column in the in the evening times. Um, if you, if you actually read what he says, he he related uh, Julian Lescott to to what happened at Ibrox a few years ago, when David Weir came in, and I remember um, I remember a, a couple of years back um, with uh, David Murray uh, and him saying that uh, Danny Wilson in particular benefited from from David Weir playing next to him because it quite literally was a, a coaching masterclass that he got and you know and again I, I think that would benefit any other centre half playing next to Lescott or Senderos that they can talk them through the game we, we spoke to Danny Wilson yesterday and he said exactly that mm-hmm. um, you know obviously all this chat about centre halves coming in you know you're, you're thinking well what will this mean for Rob Kieran and what will this mean for Danny Wilson but Danny Wilson's attitude was you know, I benefited so much from playing next to David Weir. Mm-hmm. I'll benefit from from playing and training next to Julian Lescott and or Philip Zenderos. So I think uh, you know that the, there's definitely that aspect of, yeah. of, of this bit of business that um, having a, an international player of that caliber at, at Rangers will have an impact on the whole. Um, squad. And it's the same. It's the same across the city at Celtic. Colo Touris come in, and and he will be as much of a benefit to Celtic players. As as he is to the team, and as much as the knowledge that he can actually impart, you know, you don't win so many caps for your your country. In, in the case of either Lescott or Senderos or, or Toure, not being able to play and not picking up, you know, the the, the best ways to defend in the likes, um, and and I and I think Scottish football is actually we're actually in, in quite a good position just now. Now I know we always want to see our own talent coming through, and we might be a uh, the SPFL might be a cheaper version or a cut down version of the MLS just now with the players that they've actually managed to import but it's actually quite exciting in Scottish football that you could have Barton, you could have you know, you know, could have had Lescott, you'll have Senderos, you'll have Toure, you, it's exciting that Scottish football is actually managed to attract some of these players in because it, it actually lifts the profile, you now have people from south of the border actually looking at Scottish football saying I wonder how they're doing up there mm. Whereas a couple of years ago, nobody would have you know, batted an eye in terms of what was happening in Scotland. And um, in terms of on the pitch matches for Rangers, they've got Motherwell tomorrow at Ibrox. Um, uh, Motherwell have taken a bit of a hit to their confidence in the last week or so because they got turned over by Celtic in the League Cup. 
uh, got beaten by St Johnston. So, Matthew, I brought some more. What kind of game are you expecting to see? Um, well, I, th- I think there will be a reaction to those performances and results. I was at the, the League Cup game between Motherwell and Rangers at Fair Park in the opening competitive fixture of the season, and I thought Motherwell were excellent. They were very, I, th- I thought they dominated, you know, long periods of the game. They couldn't take their chances, a bit rusty up front, and ended up uh, losing 2 0. But uh, I thought they were a big, robust team with a, with a bit of guile about them as well. I think they I think they got their tactics wrong against Celtic and I think Mark McGee knows that and I think we'll, we'll, we'll see a reaction to that at Ibrox tomorrow and um, I think it'll be competitive and it'll be a, a decent game. Okay, well, one of the other standout ties from the round, um, just in terms of what's on the line, Hearts are at home to Kelly Thistle and these are two teams you really need need to pick up a win at this point. Um, Richie Foran's yet to get a league win, um, get to, yet to get a point uh, with Kelly in the league. Um, this week, Robbie Nielsen's had to defend himself that Craig Levine's not been picking the team for him, which is a bit of a strange thing. But that seems to kind of tell a story about the way Hearts have been playing so far this season. Yeah, I, I don't think Craig Levine is, is uh, picking the Hearts side. Um, from what I've seen, they haven't lined up 4-6-0 yet. <laughs> um <laughs> but I, I can see, you know, given the way Hearts played last season and the way they've started this season, they 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 have the, the performance level has dropped off. Hence the reason that people are suspicious that other people might be playing a part in how either Hearts have been set set up or, or sent out to play. The for Inverness, the uh, the Richie Foran experience. It's not a jazz quartet. It's basically, you know, it's a bit of experimentation, and 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 I, and I do think that he was there. He was available, and he was an option that uh, perhaps might have been done on the cheap, and it, it hasn't worked until now. I will say that uh, myself and quite a few other people maybe said the same a few years ago with Ross County, and all of a sudden it just sparked and fired, and they've never looked back. Uh, and I do hope for Richie that it actually works that way as well. I, I, I just, I, I, I did, I, I did question the, the, the wisdom of appointing Richie Foran. I think uh, you, you know to, to put a guy with no coaching experience or no no uh, coaching experience in senior football in charge of a, a top flight club um, was, was asking an awful lot. I think it maybe would have been uh, wiser to, to to bring in a, a, a more experienced manager and. and Make him a, a coach or an assistant with with a view to mm-hmm. one day becoming manager. Um, I mean, in the league cup and a few of the early games of the season, uh, they played some nice football and and they did quite well. But it's different playing at that level to playing um, um, competitive games to keep you in the top flight in the Premiership. Um, and he's he's uh, he's not got his troubles to seek at the moment, and uh, going to play Harps is, is a very difficult fixture for him. The only point, the only point with bringing someone experienced to actually for Richie Fawn to actually say work under is that the Inverness Cali Thistle have probably exhausted the experience pool <laughs> given all the managers I've had in the, the, the last couple of years, so that may have been uh, you know made the decision for them. Yes, um, <laughs> and, I, and, I, and I say that wisely given the fact that I'm sitting. Sitting between two guys, or sitting next to two guys here who have a vested interest in things that happen that neck of the woods. Um, oh, quite right. Uh, <laughs> well, 
One of the other games, uh, Aberdeen are at home to Partick. They're another another team that could do with picking up a win. They've had 2-0 draws so far. It's a bit of a surprise that they've had this problem with scoring goals because they seem to actually strengthen their attack over the summer with Jaden Stock and Miles Story coming. Oh, I, had, I had the extreme misfortune of being at the Tawdry <laughs> last Saturday. And, uh, that was not um, how you said it last Saturday <laughs> night when you phoned me. And um, the, uh, Hopefully that's the worst game of the season. Out the way, it, it was 0-0 it was, it was and it was really pretty appalling. Um, there wasn't any football played. Um, Aberdeen uh, unrecognisable from last season um, to be fair to Derek McInnes he, he did come out and say we, we were appalling, we didn't play anywhere near the level that uh, um, we can play at the reason he gave for that was it was their fourth competitive fixture in nine days they'd played uh, three games away from home um, including uh, Europa League qualifying against Maribor and he felt that had taken its toll you know, we're only eight games into the season. Are you know we we now citing fatigue as as a reason for? I just, uh, <laughs> I, I just don't I just do not buy this with footballers. We've played a couple of games and we're really fatigued. Andy Money has just won a gold medal in Brazil. Got a flight to America. Started playing tennis again and started winning. Whoever his performance coach is, whoever his fitness coach is, whoever his dietitian is, maybe the football club should invest in that kind of that kind of person to get the players up to speed this early on in the season you've had your good summer holiday off you know come back fit ready willing to play I just don't buy it Aberdeen you know tomorrow they've had a week's break so we'll see if Derek McInnes is right but the weather's been bad (laughs) (laughs) and whether it's uh, it's down to to tiredness after a a difficult run of games or, or whether there's more to it uh, we've also got a Friday night game this week, um, so tonight Hamilton are playing Dundee. Um, Dundee, well, they got beat by Rangers last week, but they pushed them a bit close to you. This is a bit of a juggling act for me, I'm not sure whether to go to the bingo or watch Dundee <laughs> versus Hamilton Aki's. Um, you're right, um, Aki's started with a fantastic uh, effort at Ibrox against Rangers, and it sort of tailed off last week um, against Kilmarnock, and... You know, already one or two people are saying that it's a shape of things to come. Uh, they will be tested against Dundee tonight, but Dundee will be tested because, as we've said a couple of times already, they have lost their creative edge, I think, and they've also lost the guy who actually was scoring the goals as well. Um, well Marco O'Hara has been a bit of a revelation there in attacking midfield so far. It has been, but I, I, I would always say that whilst you have an attacking midfielder who can score goals, that is a bonus compared to having a centre-forward. A centre-forward will always get more chances, or a striker will always get more chances than an attacking midfield player. Um, down through history, there have been examples of guys who have outscored strikers coming from, from midfield, but you, you don't want to be uh, relying on your midfielder scoring goals simply because they can be uh, they can be you know kept out again. They can be suppressed if you if you have somebody marking up on them. So again, Dundee. It'll be interesting to see how they cope with uh, the loss of one or two players, and it'll be interesting again to see how Aki's uh, go this week or, uh, or tonight um, based on what happened last week against Kilmarnock. Yeah, I, mean, I, I agree. I think having having a guy that can score goals is priceless in the Premiership. It's, it's a difference between uh, staying up and going down. It's a difference between finishing in the top six. Um, that's a huge part of your, uh, your your team gone there, and, and it'll be interesting to see how they let, how they how they cope. Well, let's go full circle with what we, how we started. We started talking about Celtic and Scott Brown. We started talking about the Beer Shave game. Who's the guy who came up with the goals? 
for, for Celtic when he needed it. Lee Griffiths. Lee Griffiths, phenomenal record last season. He started scoring again this season. And you could say that the difference between Celtic last season and Aberdeen was was the goals that Lee Griffiths, and when Lee Griffiths scored the goals. Yeah. Uh, if you ever got a guy who's scoring 25 goals plus, or even 20 goals plus, what an asset that is. That can be the difference between getting a draw or getting three points, the difference between getting a loss and actually getting a point mm-hmm. away from home. If you'd taken Lee Griffiths out of that Celtic team mm-hmm. last season, I don't know where they would have been. Um, somebody else would have come in and scored a few. Would they have scored as many? No, I, doubt, I doubt it highly. Yeah. And, and it might have been an interesting title race without him there not only did he score two goals this week he set up two goals, mm-hmm. it was one of the best performances I've ever seen from him he's, he's, he was superb last season he's, he started this season even better and as I said I said in, on Twitter in midweek, he's probably done enough already with the goals against Beersheba to earn a place on the bench against Malta <laughs> Well, we'll have to. I can't let us finish before we quickly mention Ross County versus Kilmarnock. It's <laughs> uh, <laughs> probably not the most exciting of the games. Well, both of them coming off wins. Um, any talking points you want to mention on this one? No, if you say so, thanks. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I, I, again, uh, let's not, you know, undermine the the, the performances uh, that Ross County have put in over a over a, a good few months and uh, even years. But Kilmarnock, uh, they got a win last week. I still think that uh, Lee Clark is under under pressure. But um, they managed to get a win last week. This will, you know, if they go from strength to strength, um, great. But uh, Ross County is the, the easiest place um, to to go and get a result. In fact, it's not even the easiest place to find. <laughs> but that's another story entirely. I've brought in yet another player today as well, Luke Hendry from Burnley on loan. Um, so it's our thirteenth of the summer now, Kilmarnock. Se- uh, seldom have I heard so much despair in <laughs> somebody who's trying to keep track of the squads. There. No, you're right, I, I, and I do wonder where where it comes time to say, right, enough is enough. We, we, we've got the basis of a squad rather than adding adding more new guys to it because they take time to bed and they take time to, to find their feet. But the, the one good thing is that almost the entire squad is new, so it won't maybe not have that long to wait. Well, we'll have to wrap up there, but the prolonged show today, but lots to talk about. Um, we'll be back again on Monday to reflect on everything that's happened, so please join us again then. Thanks. Thanks for listening to Ahead of the Game. We'll see you again next time.